0: And so getting in this role, I fell in love with making women feel good about themselves. It wasn't that I was making the woman beautiful because in my eyes, every woman is beautiful in her own way. And so it wasn't that I fell in love with the makeup and just, you know, making her look good. I fell in love with making her feel good. And that part was the part that I wasn't expecting to happen.
1: Hi, everybody. We're in the midst of recording our next round of shows. But in lieu of going radio silent for a few weeks, I thought it would be much better to rebroadcast some of our favorite shows. There's a good chance you haven't heard this one before, but if you have, maybe you will learn something new. Hello everyone, for this episode, we're digging in the crates again to present another remix. I'm pleased to present a new take on my conversation with Kim Roxy. Founder of LaMique Beauty. Since we last spoke, Kim has made some amazing moves. Her products are on Ulta.com. She's launched a bi monthly beauty box called LaMique Makeup Refresh, which contains three full size products in every box. And then she's taken advantage of the live shopping trend by regularly appearing on Talk Shop Live. She's been so successful with that that she recently launched her own show, Kicking It with Kim. But how does she do it all? Let's listen again to her story. Hi, everybody welcome to start right here we are the podcast that puts the spotlight on the career paths of bipac beauty professionals entrepreneurs and creatives as well as issues related to beauty and inclusion impacting us in the industry as well as impacting consumers I'm your host Corinne Corbett and I hope that conversations on this show help fuel your path to success Today, I'm happy to welcome Kim Roxy, who is the founder of Lameek Beauty, a clean cosmetic brand for women of color that is created with a high-impact e-commerce model. And she's going to tell us her story, give us a career journey. We'll find out about her path to entrepreneurship, what she's learned along the way, and how you, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, can follow suit. Welcome, Kim.
0: Hey, Corinne, how you doing?
1: I'm so happy to have you here today.
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, and we're chatting during this unprecedented um, stay-at-home order that we're all doing, but life may change after this, but, you know, I think beauty will endure.
0: And I think we'll still remain friends. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Before we start talking about your career path, let's begin with some fun questions in our For the Love of Beauty section. What was the first beauty product you ever purchased?
0: I just remember taking my mom's eyeliner. I don't know what.
1: Until <laughs> so you just jacked your mom's eyeliner? Yeah,
0: I just took my mom's eyeliner. He said, sneak it to school and put it on once I got to school because I couldn't wear makeup at home when I was in high
1: school. Okay. <laughs> what was the last beauty product you tried?
0: I'm trying beauty products all the time. So, you know, a thousand things are running through my head. I'm trying to think of the last thing I didn't try. Sitting on my desk right now for my hair is this hair oil this before hair oil by Miss Jessies cuz I'm working on my scalp and stuff. But yeah, that's one of the last hair products I just tried this morning. <laughs>
1: okay. What's that beauty advice you either live by or leave alone?
0: I live by that good sleep. I live from an exterior perspective. I believe that sleep really restores your beauty is the truth. Put some cucumbers over your eyes, go to bed. Get that puffiness out. Like, I really kind of believe in that. From an interior level, my mom taught me about beauty. And from her, I learned that patience is a key to beauty. Being over anxious and all that will take rear and tear on your beauty after a while. And the beauty advice I threw away was that making my skin lighter would make me more
1: beautiful. Can you start by giving us your 30 second bio?
0: Yes, I'm Kim Roxy, K-I-M-R-O-X-I-E, and I am a women's cheerleader. I am the founder of Lamique Beauty, and I am a vessel for revealing beauty in women. And I'm from Houston, Texas, born and raised, went to college in Atlanta, but have had the pleasure of traveling all across the world because of Lumique.
1: Tell me, was the beauty industry a destination or a detour for you? Did you start out wanting to be in beauty?
0: I started out growing up playing the piano. I played at church. I was a classical trained pianist. So I grew up wanting to be a classical pianist. And so when I got to uh, high school, I seemed to have a little bit of a detour being expelled from high school, basically being kicked out. and was still being able to go to college and graduate but while I was in college is when I got that start in beauty and I believe in a higher power than me and so I would say it must have been destiny that landed me in this role
1: I think that's a great thought do you think the discipline of being a pianist has helped you to apply to be an entrepreneur
0: Yeah, I think the same type of attitude and skill set you have, the same type of discipline and mindset, um, because when you play an instrument and anybody listening knows if you ever played an instrument or either, you know, your voice, it might be, but you practice all the time. When I played the piano growing up, I mean, I practiced every day for a certain amount of time. There's a huge amount of discipline and work that you put into a piece just to play it for a recital or just to play it, you know, and so not getting tired of doing the same thing over and over just to get better, I think is a discipline that I'm definitely using in
1: entrepreneurship. What did you major in at Clark Atlanta?
0: I was in the mass communications department and my concentration was public relations.
1: How did you go about getting your first job?
0: Well, my first job was telemarketing at a call center in Atlanta and I was a freshman in college. And I didn't even tell my parents that I had this job, but I knew my parents couldn't afford for me to be at school. And it was a lot that I couldn't really get and stuff like that. And so I decided to go look for a job. Well, I used to have to catch a train and two buses to get to this job. But this telemarketing job taught me how to take rejection. It taught me how to do sales. And actually, it was pivotal to my career in regards to Uh, becoming this saleswoman. So my freshman year, I would be very risky in going to this job all the way across town, coming home late at night, having one of my friends from my dorm come meet me at the train station because we would have to walk down the alley together. I wouldn't even want my daughter to do that. Like, I would tell her, like, do not ever do what your mom did to have this part time job. I was really putting myself at risk. But at the time, you know, you're not thinking anything. You're fearless. You're thinking you got eight lives. And so you just, you just do stuff. But from that job, my sophomore year, I had to get something that was close to the campus because my schedule was becoming more rigorous. And so I went to the mall looking for a job. And I thought I was going to work at like, you know, a shoe sneaker store or, you know, in the food court or something. And I called up my friend and I said, didn't you say some people were hiring at the mall, some companies? And she said, yeah, go over there to that makeup kiosk. And I said, makeup? I said, when have you ever seen me put on makeup? She was like, you said you needed a job, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did say that. Um, And so I went to that makeup store and I applied and they hired me. And I think it had a lot to do with my telemarketing background, seeing that I actually did really well in that telemarketing role. And so they hired me and that was my first job in makeup at the mall.
1: What did you learn working at that counter that set you up for success and for entrepreneurship later?
0: What happened at that makeup store? I mean, it was, it was transformational. One, I learned that I actually deeply care about other women. And I didn't really know that before. I mean, growing up, I mean, I was 19 when I got this job. So, you know, growing up as a teenager and stuff, you figure out people you like, you don't like. I mean, juvenile things, right? And so getting in this role, I fell in love with making women feel good about themselves. It wasn't that I was making the woman beautiful because in my eyes, every woman is beautiful in her own way. And so it wasn't that I fell in love with the makeup and just, You know, making her look good. I fell in love with making her feel good. And that part was the part that I wasn't expecting to happen. And so while being there, I became the top sales producer. Companies used to try to get me to fly on the weekends while I was out of school to different parts of the country to go sell their makeup at trade shows and stuff like that. And I'm 19, 20 years old and not even a full-fledged makeup artist. It was just that my way of connecting with women was so deep that a woman, I would show her the makeup, do a little bit on it. I was not the best makeup artist. I'm the first to admit that, but she would buy everything that I put in front of her. And I think it was because of that connection. So that's what that taught me.
1: Yeah. I think that that is really important because it is a connection. And when somebody finds a brand that they believe in, Mm -hmm. And a person that they believe in, Mm -hmm. they will follow them, Mm -hmm. especially if it's authentic. And I think what you're talking about is making an authentic connection with your customer. Yeah. And that is invaluable because that you carry throughout your business career. Yep. That is a foundational part of your business. So I think that's a critical thing that you learned and that it definitely has set you up for success. Let's tell the audience what Lameek means.
0: (laughs) so happy you asked. (laughs) So Lameek stands for, it's actually an acronym. I'll tell the story to you. Um, I actually came up with Lameek because I was trying to think of a name when I was uh, my senior year, when I was thinking about creating this company, a name that would make sense in the beauty industry. And I looked at my name and I was like, Kim spelled backwards is M-I-K. And then my mom who was the person who gave me $500 to help me start this cosmetic line. She named all of her girls La something for our middle name. So Lakeisha, Lachey, you know, this kind of thing. And so it was like love from my middle name. And then my mom's name is Loretta. And so I kind of was like, oh, I can take the La and then it could be Lameek. That's how I came up with it initially, But when I was in business, no one really asked me what Lameek stood for. So I never had to answer that question. But years into being in business, I was at a buyer's meeting and they asked me, what does Lameek stand for? And in that moment, I took a pause just like now. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Lameek stands for, and I just blurted this out, love. And makeup in kindness. And in that moment of them asking me that is when it came to me <laughs> what Lameek stood for, because I knew it did not just stand for my name, because that's not the reason why I was doing it. I was not doing it in the vein of me. I knew that I was doing it because of that connection, that love that I felt for women. And in that moment, it came out love and makeup and kindness. That, you know, love and kindness is your true makeup because beauty is revealed and not applied. And that's what I said in that meeting. And that's been the motto for Lamique.
1: And I think that it's very um, powerful because a lot of times people think about makeup as something they're putting on the surface, something they're doing to cover up. But your whole strategy of first making authentic connections and then helping to reveal your customer's beauty is a beautiful thing. But what I found fascinating and find fascinating about you is that You graduated from college and went straight into entrepreneurship, didn't you?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Crazy, right?
1: (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy. So tell us how that came to be, because most people, you know, maybe dream about this, but they have no idea how to make something like that happen.
0: When I look back on it and I continue to do things that are crazy, I'm just like, okay, Kim. I had someone say to me, Kim, you just got crazy faith. And I said, okay, that's what it is. I remember being my senior year and we had to have our senior project. And if you didn't pass the senior project, they would hold you for another semester. And I remember being in my senior project and finishing up and then saying to my professors, now I hope this was a great project. I did. I said, but if you need any convincing, let me let you know, I've already taking a lease out on a space in the mall in Houston and I have this company that I want to launch in two months (laughs) and I was like so if the project isn't worth passing just from what I did can you at least look at my future goals and pass me because of that and so I did and um they laughed later at me but I did I graduated in May and you know I opened up my store in September And yeah, I kind of take the words. Yeah. Madam CJ Walker, who said, I got my start by giving myself a start. And with me starting that store, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, having a business and all of the glamour in it. I was really just thinking I was in college. I never had an internship in public relations and I applied for jobs my senior year, but I never got a call back, never got even to an interview process. And I talked to my professor and she said, you never had internships. You know, you don't have a network, you know, and that. And she's like, how do you expect? She's like, what have you been doing this whole time? And I was like, oh, working at this makeup place, you know. And so that's when it hit me like, "Okay, so now you got to give yourself a start. And so me starting this company was giving myself a job and then exploring this idea of having a makeup line that didn't concentrate just on the makeup itself, but on the woman. And that's what I went out to go explore. When I opened up my store, I had no money left in the bank. I had figured up my budget, but I didn't understand budgets back then and financial models. So I only had the money saved up that it would take me to open up the store. I didn't have any money for next month's rent or more inventory. I didn't have that money. When I opened up, that was it. My bank account was zero. So when I opened up my store, nobody came in. When I opened up the gate, I'm in a mall, nobody came in. I was like... That was like the first 30 minutes. I was like, oh, so people don't just walk in when you say open, okay? And so I went down to the food court to go get customers and that's how I built my clientele was walking down to the food court, walking a person, talking to the woman all the way to my store and started in business. So yeah, I'm a little crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you went straight into entrepreneurship and what year was this?
0: This was in 2004.
1: Okay, so in 2004, clean beauty was not a thing, not a widely- Known concept. Mm -mm. What made you concentrate on clean beauty?
0: You ever discovered something and didn't understand why everybody else wasn't doing it? It just was one of those things where I started to look at the ingredients inside of makeup. Again, I was trying to create this makeup line, so I was like, started looking like what was inside of makeup. And then I was like, this is the same thing they use in paint. And so then I went back and I'm like, yeah, that's what they use in paint. And then I went back and looked at this. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's an animal byproduct. And I remember there was a couple of things that happened. And you talked about destination early. And when I think about destination, I think of destiny, you know, like where your destiny is. And I remember it was a couple of things on my journey that happened. I remember meeting a farmer who sold animal blood to cosmetic companies. And he named some of the cosmetic brands that he worked with. And again, this is just people that I've met along the journey. It was like God was saying to me, you're on the right path. This is why you're doing that because of these reasons people will find out when they find out. So I was a little bit of an evangelist in regards to. Clean beauty, even before it was a term clean beauty, back then we were just saying we were using more natural ingredients and stuff like that, or we're just using ingredients that we could at least understand. And I never claimed to be perfect about it. I always say that we just do the best we can with what we know. And so that was our thing. So I used to, in my store, I used to have signs and my customers would say, they would see signs where they walk in and it would say like, you know how you say smoke free zone. I would have signs that say a pair of free zone in our store because I had done so much research on that. And so it was things like that. And I was doing that in 2008, you know, 2007, like you said, before it was even a thing. Sometimes like when you discover something, we have to trust our gut and then we have to trust our brilliance and we have to trust our ethics and we just have to trust ourselves.
1: Now you had this store, you signed a lease. Yeah. How'd you get the product? (laughs)
0: I went to a cosmetic manufacturing show in New York, and that's why I think it's really good sometimes to get out of your comfort zone. So remember, I grew up in Houston, went to Atlanta uh, to go to college. And then while in Atlanta, I'm getting exposed to different things. I'm researching. There's a cosmetic manufacturing show in New York. Um, back then, you could fly Airtran. Remember That you got bought by Southwest Airlines, but you could show up to the airport with 60 bucks. And if they had room on their flight, you could get on it. And so I went out to New York and I went to this cosmetic manufacturing show and I was there. I was like, this is where I'm going to find products that I can do. And so I'm thinking, you know, I can get like 50 of these lipsticks made, 50 of this, You know, a hundred of these, nothing, you know, within my budget. And to my surprise, no, I could not afford to create a whole makeup line. First of all, creating a whole makeup line back then, especially was a three million dollar project, not a three thousand dollar project. Right. You know, now we have even more resources, but still even now it still can be very costly. Um, I found out I couldn't do what I thought I could do. And I was disappointed. But this guy heard me haggling with this manufacturing company and he gave me his card and he said, you know, just take my card, contact me later kind of thing. I left the show disappointed, like mm, this dream isn't going to happen. And I looked in my pocket and I looked at this card and it said something about a chemist and it had his information. So I called him and we had a conversation, come to find out he had just retired from Estee Lauder. He had a little time on his hands. In a couple of weeks, he was taking a trip to Houston to meet a client. And remember, I'm from Houston, so I can definitely get there. And long story short, we ended up having dinner. And he told me that he worked, like I said, at one of those big cosmetic companies. And they didn't make darker shades in this particular line because they didn't like the way they looked in the bottle. And um, he said, so I want to help you. And then also he said, and I don't even know if we can make makeup that can show up on your skin without these certain ingredients in them. So I also just want to do it to see if we can even do it. So it was a little bit of an experiment from his end. And he had a little bit of time on his hands. And I was a hungry (laughs) entrepreneur needing this opportunity. It was definitely destiny.
1: Yes, definitely. That you would meet this man that he would offer his services, be in your hometown. And willing to take this ride to go on this adventure with you to see if you could create the products that you dreamed about. Yeah. That didn't have the ingredients that you didn't want in the product, that were formulated with more clean, even though that wasn't a term, and also showed up on your skin. Mm -hmm. How long did that process take to develop the products?
0: He actually came like right in and started working on it. I would say it only took a couple of months. It started with some products, and then we developed more products along the way. And because he was very, I mean, had been doing this for, I think he retired after like 25, 30 years. So he was very experienced. So again, and a lot of the upfront costs on getting these raw materials and raw ingredients, he took a lot of that on. And to say that he wasn't a business partner or anything like that, he was I always calling my angel. He was my angel.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. When you started to attract customers, when you Mm -hmm. walked down to the food court and Mm -hmm. what was the product they were most interested in?
0: The product they were most interested in, I would say would be the brow product because of the way that we did the brows at the time and was showing it because before people would do your makeup and not even touch your eyebrows. It would be like your eyebrows were just almost like your hair or something. It's like this other thing. Like you go somewhere else and get that. We're just going to put foundation on an eyeshadow, but we're not doing anything with the eyebrows. So that was something that I was able to like catch people's attention and say, hey, your eyebrows are part of your makeup. And that concept was sort of new at that time. And so that was something that really got them. And then also like our foundation, being able to match their skin with that was also something that was really big for
1: us. There came a time when you wanted to kind of pivot your business. What made you want to change the speed or change direction?
0: I always say what made me want to like jump on the freeway, right? Like what made me want to just kind of like accelerate or evolve, you know, like I think that when I first started out, my dream was just to get women here in Houston because it's where I opened up my store, get women here in Houston, the opportunity to see themselves As beautiful, I was a girl that grew up in Houston that because of a lot of the songs that we had and stuff like that, they didn't speak to my beauty and I didn't feel beautiful. So that's the reason why when I went to Atlanta, I fell in love with Atlanta because I felt like in Atlanta's culture, my beauty was looked at as a positive thing. My dark skin, my hair, like everything about me just seemed to be like celebrated in that town. And in Houston, I didn't feel that way. So I kind of wanted to come here and bring this like, self-love self-acceptance sort of theme of a makeup brand we talked about authenticity earlier but bring that to Houston and bring that movement here and so when I came in that's basically what I did and so by doing that it was with the store and so we kind of started to build a name a reputation we started to have some of Houston's who's who that was coming to our store And that happened. And that was my dream. Like my biggest dream was just getting in the Houston business journal, right? Like that was my thing or just local publications. And then I started to dream a little bigger, like, okay, well, you know, people are visiting Houston. So now they're from out of town and they can learn about it and they can start wearing it. Okay, great. But then finally it sort of hit me over the head and I saw a story on bare minerals and how, they started with just like a makeup shop and then they went on to sell internationally, ended up having a really successful exit and all this stuff. And I just started to read these stories about women in the beauty industry and what was possible. And so then I started to have a new dream. And that new dream was for Lamique to become a international makeup brand that can end up being something way more bigger than me and have way more customers than what I would be able to do just by having a store where people just coming in every day. And I was thinking, how do I do that? And that's when I was like, you do it through tech, you do it through e-commerce, you do it that way. And that's when I was like, well, I actually don't know how to do it that way. (laughs) The only thing I knew how to do was to run that brick and mortar store. So I was like, how do I learn how to do that? And that's when I started to look into the tech industry in how to become a more tech-enabled company.
1: As part of that, you made a really, really painful, I would imagine, and strategic decision to close your brick-and-mortar store.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And having created this following in Houston, how did that impact your customers, and how did it impact you in terms of pursuing your dream?
0: here I go being crazy faith again. You know, like I wrote a letter to my customer base and I agonized over that letter, just being able to explain, but I was so convinced. <laughs> I was so convinced that this was the right thing to do. Cause I felt this huge calling, the same calling I felt to open up that store, the same calling I felt to do it at a time where it wasn't even popular. Like I felt that same calling towards going more tech and doing the things that way. So I've actually just taken our customers from our store on the journey with us. And I've asked them to understand and I've explained to them. And when things have taken longer, you know, I told them I'm going almost like back to school in a way where some people would go to like business school. I decided to go through tech accelerators because what I love about them is they take your business and you still get to learn about high growth business and business acumen. But you get to do it with your business in hand versus Just case study. I've been able to do that and I've explained that to them and shown them what I've learned. And since Houston is my base and my first community of people who believed in me, I went out to Austin to join Accelerators and in California. But what I did was everything I would learn. I mean, I would literally come back to Houston and host like an event to teach what I had learned. Because if I was an entrepreneur in Houston with a business for a decade, a a local small business retailer in Houston, and I didn't know this information and I had been in business for a decade, then it was other people that didn't know this information. So I would come back to Houston and host events just to teach the information. I would have pop-up workshops and bring experts in and ask people that I had met along the journey of learning to come back and teach it. So I guess for me, keeping true to what the brand is about and I didn't want to stunt my own growth and knowing that it was something bigger by just saying this is the way we always did it. Let's just continue to do it this way. I knew it was time to pivot. I knew it was time to evolve. And I just let the customers know and then also included them inside of it. So much so till when it was time for me to you know, look at fundraising. The first fundraising round I did, I did a crowdfunding campaign and this happened at the end of last year where we did a rewards-based crowdfunding campaign through iFundWomen, where we raised money through our customer base. Almost 400 women gave for a reward uh, money to kind of be our friends and family kind of around. And I explained to them how women were having such a hard time raising capital to have a high growth business and how venture capital was not fair for a woman of color, a black woman, 0.0006% goes to women of color. And I was explaining this and they got invigorated. And some of these women are career women, professional women. They're working in their own paths and healthcare and different things. They didn't know this information, but then some of them did. Some of them were entrepreneurs and they said, yeah, I was wondering why it's so hard for me to get a loan or so hard for me to raise from angel investors or them not even knowing angel investors even go talk to. And those were the things I was coming up against. And so It's been amazing. This actually has opened up a door bigger than what I even thought too. So yeah, that's how I kind of pursued it in that next stage.
1: How many accelerators did you go through?
0: It's been about five of them.
1: You dedicated a good amount of time after you closed your store to learning and not learning just from one perspective, but looking for opportunities to kind of gain more experience. Like you got hungry for more experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, if you go to business school, That's usually about two years. And so I gave myself that grace time that, again, I didn't get to go to business school. I just went right into it and and ended up working for that store. But then when it was time for a bigger dream, I needed some more. And so I gave myself that time to be able to go in and do that versus rushing it and saying, you know, oh, you should just get it after one accelerator. No, if it takes you that long for business school, then why not give myself that time in this space as well?
1: As part of that, you had to do a lot of pitching. Yeah. Now you had already won pitch competitions prior to you closing the store, correct?
0: I won one pitch competition and that was my first pitch competition. And that was the year uh, leading up to closing the store. And that took me over the edge to actually close the store. So that was like a big push because when I did that pitch competition, the women who were there for this pitch competition, I mean, you had um, this group of women were the top executives multicultural women from all across the u.s who worked for all of your fortune 500 companies who were entrepreneurs small business owners but very successful all of these women were in the room about 400 to 500 of these type of women these were my ideal customers and if they all like unanimously chose my business as the business that should win this pitch competition That's when I knew I needed to dream a bigger
1: dream. I've been to the conference that you won the pitch competition, and it is an elite group of women who really know business. So for you to impress them with your business, Mm -hmm. they weren't aware of your business prior, most of them. No. So for you to impress them with um, the focus of your business and the dream for your business Mm
0: -hmm.
1: is quite impressive, I think. Yeah, And I think that being able to pitch, I mean, even coming out of the accelerators, the reason I asked about that prior to the accelerators is because that leaving the accelerators is always a demo day yes. for people who are not aware of tech. If you're in an accelerator or any kind of incubator program, you're going to be asked to, to demonstrate your idea mm-hmm. to people at the end of the program. Mm-hmm. And so having A pitch competition under your belt is a plus, I would say.
0: Yeah, it was Odyssey, that conference we were speaking of. They actually did a training, uh, like a a two-day sort of training to get ready for the pitch. But it was so funny because the businesses who pitched with me were really great businesses, and the women are really great. And I was... A little intimidating because I was like, I'm so unprepared. I've never done this pitch competition thing before. I was like, oh, my goodness. And the, one of the girls who was like an intern for the conference, she actually helped me put my pitch deck slides together. Now, going through accelerators and understanding what a pitch deck is, that was like my first time ever even seeing or hearing about a pitch deck. Like, again, I had already been a small business owner, but never heard of these concepts. And so she had to help me. And like if she wouldn't have helped me, I don't know what I would have done. So it's just things like that that happen along the way. That's why you have to have some faith. And sometimes you don't know it all. But but in that setup, resources will come. But now going through demo days, like you explained with going through accelerators, you definitely do a pitch deck. Now I understand how to do a pitch deck, you know, how to put one together. I even, you know, help other people put theirs together by doing that. But who you're pitching to, your audience does make a difference on how you tell your story. But the main part about it is telling your story to get people on board. But learning that valuable lesson of how to do a pitch Having a pitch deck is invaluable and it's great for whether you're sending it to a potential customer that you're trying to gain or a potential investor or stakeholder or a competition, because for people who are not getting this big part of venture capital. Pitch competitions have definitely been a way they've been able to raise money for the venture.
1: These accelerators, I mean, some of them were CPG, which is consumer packaged goods, but some of them were tech Mm -hmm. related as well. So you got a chance to be exposed more to the tech industry. Yeah. So what happened as a result?
0: What happened as a result was I got exposed to engineers and augmented you know, reality folks and artificial intelligence folks. And this is time where I had to brainstorm specifically on my company and how I can integrate these tools. So being in a really tech-focused accelerator like I have before, it wasn't about what you could do in person. Everything was about how can we utilize tech? And so through that, e-commerce, finding the best e-commerce platform, having different apps that would help in the e-commerce buying scenario. All of those things were things I was able to explore and be able to utilize now in my business. Also, I was able to connect and network to where now we have two really exciting things uh, happening on our site for our customers, because my goal is to make it easier to buy makeup online than it even is in person. And this used to be a far thought, again, because people would always say, no, people never get away from wanting to try it on in person. And then now we're in this environment where it's like, oh, wait, I can't try it on in person. We also use a quiz um, an algorithm to recommend the right product as well on our site when it comes to our product that we have. And that's really big because basically you're taking the knowledge that the expert has to recommend the right products to you. We've actually sold our products inside of department stores before. And one of the issues that we had when we were inside the department store was not enough people working. And if you had someone working, them not being an expert of shade matching or that kind of thing or either coming from a different department just to ring you up so no one's really able to help you pick out the right shades and so that's when I knew it had to come a time where it had to be better to buy it online than even it was in person and so that's what I'm excited about doing now and again if it wasn't for that tech accelerator I was in and that tech concentration um and if it wasn't for this disruption and COVID-19, like this disruption has accelerated the customer adoption.
1: Because there is no choice and social distancing and not really wanting a stranger or someone to put their hands on you yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: it is accelerating it as well. And wanting to find an AR, because I also have seen AR not work, beauty try-ons not work successfully with people. With skins of color, Mm -hmm. let's say, where it looks artificial when the color is on. Let's say it's a lip color or any kind of color. It's applied to your picture or your image, but you know it doesn't look right. It looks artificial. I've tried the Lameek Try-On and it did work for me. What I liked about the brow try-on is the intricacies with which the brow is designed. What are you looking forward to in the future?
0: Oh man, I'm looking forward to so much, (laughs) but you know, some of the things that I would say, I'm looking forward to us really expanding in this augmented reality space around the different things that we'll be able to do online in regards to better servicing the customer. And I'm looking forward to the word spreading. Right now, an experience for a woman of color going to a makeup counter, especially a darker skinned woman going to a makeup counter rather She's from whatever background I've interviewed and done talks with so many. And for some women, that's not like a beautiful experience. And so what I want and what I see for the future of Lumique is for us to have this really strong reputation online to where it's a beautiful, accepting, validating experience to shop for products that are there to assist you in doing mighty and great things, and for that to be a great experience. And so these tools that we're using, these things that we're adopting, I want to continue on that path. And I want to raise the volume on what we're doing and be able to make a difference in women's lives and for it to have impact. Those are some of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to our new product launches. I'm looking forward to our new foundation I'm looking forward to our new lipsticks, our new lip glosses. Like I'm looking forward to all of that. And I'm looking forward to co-creating that with our customers. And it's just a beautiful thing when when you can have your customer base co-create, co-fund, like they're a part of it all and kind of gives people an outlet to be a part of something and accomplish something that they didn't have to come up with. And because sometimes people can have a dream. I've talked to women before saying, you know, oh, I love makeup. You know, I would love to create this or to come up with it. And, and the fact that they're able to co create and do different things with Lameek, it's like fulfilling that for them. And um, I'm excited about um, there's another pandemic that's been going on amongst women of color that we've been raising the alarm on, and that is breast cancer. And I am looking forward to Lameek bringing even more awareness around this already. We've been a part of a big movement happening in Houston, helping uninsured African-American women here. We've raised about $300,000 over the years for that. And as well as we've been a part of organizations where we've given, you know, free makeovers, products, training on how to get eyebrows when you lose it to chemotherapy or, or what have you. And also with that virtual makeup trial, we have You actually don't have to have eyebrows. It actually does facial tracing. And so it'll actually put it up there to where your eyebrows are supposed to be, because like my eyebrows only grow halfway and then they stop. And so it still shows up on me and shows me where my brows could be and where to fill it in at. And so even with this pandemic around breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer, especially I want to raise that again and say metastatic breast cancer. It's a pandemic in the lives of Black women right now. And so raising that and awareness around that and saving lives around education and advocacy um, is a big part of LEMIC's purpose, too.
1: Well, that's great. I think those listeners who are interested in entrepreneurship can be encouraged by your journey because I think it takes a foundation of faith or a level of belief in something besides yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: An ability to dream as well. Dream big. And the courage to pivot,
0: yeah,
1: and the courage to be first in some instances, or to be an early adopter of something like you were of clean makeup.
0: And I just want to kind of interject this little part when you say that, and say because sometimes I would hear that, and it's like, yeah, like being first, like you know, we applaud those people and stuff, but sometimes there's a lot of man, there's a lot of terror in being first. It's a lot of terror around being innovative and thinking about things differently and approaching things differently and sometimes if you're the founder or the innovator or whatever sometimes you won't always uh, reap the benefits of it it might not come to years later generations later where people start to understand something but you got to be okay with that because the reason or the need that you saw to do it and the willpower and the resilience that you went forth anyway is your real you know like Prize, right? That you were able to do that, but I just want to kind of raise that up a little bit because sometimes it sounds really fun to be the first and oh, that, this and that. But don't get me wrong; it's not easy to kind of carry that burden either.
1: Right, I agree. I think sometimes being the first, and when I was thinking about it, is usually being misunderstood. Mm. Very oftentimes misunderstood that yeah. you're moving in a direction that people don't understand, but you see something that others don't yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Are you a mentor or mentee? both. And what do you think the value in that is?
0: The value is you get wisdom, you give wisdom. So I'm never hoarding, just getting wisdom and just keeping it for myself. I'm giving it away. And at the same time, I'm not giving wisdom away and never replenishing.
1: When do you know that it's time to pivot?
0: When you start to see the changes in the market, when you have new ideas, when you see it happening around you. And again, even when nobody else sees it, but you know it, like you have to have self-awareness the same way you have self-confidence and self-love and all these other things. You need to have self-awareness. You need to be real with yourself and say, what's happening right now? I have to be real with myself. What's happening right now in the industry? What's happening in your head? What's happening in your business? Have you plateaued? OK, so you plateau. So what's going to get you over that hump of that plateau? What's going to take you to that next level? Like you have to be real and honest with yourself and When you do that self-awareness, when you start to see the signs, then you need to answer that calling or answer that sign or respond to that. And pivoting doesn't have to be looked at as a negative connotation. It could be looked at as a positive one that you're still climbing. You're just climbing maybe from around the corner or a different way or you turn your body a different way. A lot of times in sports and stuff, but even in your business, you just turn it, shifted it a different way um, to continue to climb. And it doesn't mean you regret anything from before. It just means that it's a continual evolution and a continual climb. So yeah, I think that when you start to see the signs, you got to respond and you got to have self-awareness to be real with yourself uh, to know when it's time to do that.
1: You work with a lot of makeup artists and you've had employees in your store. So what makes a candidate that you're going to hire memorable?
0: An amazing attitude, perspective, a person with a very amazing attitude and kind demeanor. So I watch for things that you cannot question people about. And what I mean by that is when I do an interview with someone or I watch someone I noticed things like, did they hold the door open for the person that was behind them when they walked in? Or did they just walk in and not hold the door? It's like stuff like that that I look for, because that tells me if you're selfish or not. It just tells me certain things. Like when you talk, do you only like really concentrate and talk about yourself and that kind of thing? Are you considerate of others? Like it's those kind of things. I guess I'm more into people who have this attitude about caring for others and again, loving others. I think that's where Lamiki is at deep connection and passion and love for women and especially women that have been passed over by the beauty industry that we want people on our team that believe that same way and innately believe that way not something that we got to train them to believe that way
1: and if you were giving somebody advice on following in your path what's the best career advice that you got along the way and that you would give to others
0: one of my mentors said to me And she's an entrepreneur who built a business from the ground up. And she said, never let your family know how bad you're doing in business. (laughs) And at first I was kind of like, hmm, but isn't your family there to help you? And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, yeah, she's right. Basically, she was a person who went homeless to start a business. And for me, it's kind of the same thing. Like, It's a lot of stuff I've done to advance in business and a lot of sacrifices I made That again, I told you when I was in college, the sacrifice I made to have my first telemarketing job and how my parents wouldn't agree with that. They would have told me to stop. It's like that in business. Like sometimes sometimes you can't tell the ones who love you the most because they don't want to see you hurt like that. They don't want to see you homeless trying to start a business like they're like, just find another way. Just do your side hustle. You're like they're just thinking so many ways and you're so passionate about doing it this way. So I just would say anyone who is trying to follow my path, just if you feel like you need to make the sacrifices, make those sacrifices. You don't have to post it on Instagram, all sacrifices you're making. You don't have to put it in a family chat sometimes. I mean, definitely let people know when you need help from a mental state or a spiritual state, but I just mean from a sacrifice state, just know that, you know, sometimes because they'll try to talk you out of it. And maybe if you're really passionate about it and feel really convinced, then you should pursue that. And you might not get the hoorah from the ones who love you the most sometimes.
1: Well, thank you so much. That's a great answer sacrifice, (laughs) but it's not broadcasting your sacrifice either. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining me on Start Right Here. This was a great conversation and I think really helpful for people who are interested in entrepreneurship or not, or interested in the beauty industry and wondering how you start. Thanks again for joining me.
0: And can I tell you, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: Thank you for always being such a strong advocate and for us beauty industry folks. And for me personally, you've been there for me in ways that I'm forever indebted to you. So thank you so much. And then thank you for always evolving yourself. Like you're the queen of pivoting and evolving and seeing what the future holds and being a trailblazer in that. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me on
1: that's our show for today if you have questions about where to start in your beauty career drop us a line at hello at beautybizcamp.com remember there are many roads to success but each of them requires you to start so take that step forward today see you next time